Amen. Yeah, I owe a lot to, uh, to this church, first off. Good evening, everybody. Glad to see you. Uh, anything you've heard about me, I, you just look up to God, because God, God is the one who deserves all the credit. Anything good that I do is really just God working through me, because of myself, I can't do any good thing. I may think I can, but that's just me being prideful. Anything that I do that actually has merit, you can rest assured God had a plan for me and for my life. And when I say I was a grumpy hermit crab, I, I really mean that. Because Justin came to work with me, uh, what, four or five years ago? Something like that? And yeah, I was saved when I was very young. Thank the Lord. My mom was a very strong Christian. She got me saved when I was seven years old. And uh, it was the, the best thing she could ever do for me. The best thing a parent could do for their child is lead them to the Lord. Uh, but when Justin met me, I had been, uh, when I say a grumpy hermit crab, I mean I had been basically shelled up from the world for a long time. You know, I was saved, I was a Christian, but I didn't really have much to do with it. I wasn't going to church, I wasn't reading my Bible. I'd pray here and there, but not the way you should pray, right? And so Justin fired me up. He uh, bent my arm a little bit and said, you need to come out to church. And I knew he was right. I knew he was right because when you're saved, when you have the Holy Spirit within you, you feel convicted of things that you should do. And... He never gave up on me. He never relented. He got me back to church. And once I got back here, I realized what I was missing all those years. Because even if you're saved, it doesn't mean you're walking with the Lord. You can go so far away from where you should be, right? But you'll always know how to find your way back if you're saved. So I want to give a message tonight. Um, My messages are really uh, scattered apart because I don't really think of them at the time. This is something I've been working on for actually months and it's a good thing I don't preach every week because I would, I would not have material. I, I can preach once every like month, month and a half. That's about my limit. So uh, grab a Bible. This message is called Lightning in a Bottle. Uh, grab a Bible, turn to Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10 in the New Testament. It's the first book after the first four Gospels, the only four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Then you're going to find Acts, which is written by the author who wrote the Gospel of Luke. Uh, Acts chapter 10. I'm going to read a couple verses to set the framework, and we'll pray and we'll, uh, we'll get into this and see what the Lord has in store for us tonight. Amen. Amen. So Acts chapter 10, I'm reading the King James Version. If you're reading the Bible from the pew, mine's on page, go to page 185, because we're going to be close to the end of chapter 10. Acts chapter 10, we're going to be in verse, verse 36, Acts chapter 10. When you found it, look up at me and I'll know that we're, we're ready. I'll give everybody a little bit more time. So you're going to find Acts right after Luke. No, sorry, right after John. Right before Romans. In between John and Romans. Acts chapter 10. Everybody got it? Everybody got it? Good? Good? All right. Acts chapter 10. We're going to read verses 36, 37, 38. The word which God sent unto the children of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. That word I say ye know, which was published throughout all Judea, and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Amen. Let's, let's open in a word of prayer. Amen. Heavenly Father, we're all here tonight to... We want to hear from you, Lord. That's, that's why we come to church. We, 
I pray that everyone in this building is saved. And, and if that's not the case, Lord, I pray that by the end of the night that everyone in this building is saved. But if we're all saved, Lord, I, I pray that we're here tonight to hear from you. I pray that you would join us because we're gathered to, to hear for your presence. And uh, I just pray that you would use me as I'm up here preaching, that any words that come out of my mouth that make sense to people, Lord, I pray that it, they would be your words, that you would use me for your honor and glory and for your kingdom. And uh, just allow me to preach the message you have in store tonight. Thank you so much for everything you've done to prepare me for this moment and uh, to lift up this church, lift up everybody here who's able to attend, everyone who's watching online. I pray, Lord, that you would do something mighty in their lives and that all of us would hear something tonight that's going to help us and benefit us and strengthen us for uh, the walk we have ahead. Uh, and that is the life that we, that we live each and every day, Lord. There's, a, there's no shortage of trials and tribulations in this life, but uh, we want to make sure that we go through them with you by our side. Uh, we pray everything in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So I mentioned getting saved. And I, I just want to... I'll get back to the, to the text in a second, but I just want to say this. Getting saved is the best day of your life. Hands down, hands down. It's not even close. Getting saved is the best day of your life. And I'm going to follow that up with this. It's the best day of your life because it's the first day of your life. You don't actually have any life until you get saved. Once you get saved, you've got it all. Okay? Once you get saved and God writes your name in the Lamb's Book of Life, you're eternally bound. You're headed to heaven. It's the best news you could ever have. One day when this is all over, when I'm tired of getting old, when I'm tired of my body failing me, when I'm tired of not looking the way I used to when I was great, one day I'm going to heaven. That's awesome. That's the best news you could ever have because it's forever. It is forever. And we get to look forward to that. And I think it's easy for the world to drag us down and, and make us lose sight of that because how else could I have been this grumpy hermit crab except that I was, I was hiding, basically? You know, I can't, I, I shouldn't bottle up my salvation and keep it to myself. It's too good of a thing. I should share it with others. I should share it with friends, family members, people who are going to get mad to hear it. So be it. Listen, if you're not saved, you're in a world of hurt. I just want to say that. So it's the best day of your life because it's the first day of your life. Being born again of the Spirit of God. Once you are born again... God gives you something, a gift, and that's what this message is about. When you get saved, you don't just get salvation. God gives you something. It's called the Holy Spirit. And we talk about the Trinity, right? God is God the Father, God the Son, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit. And I think, for me personally, the Holy Spirit's probably the most misunderstood of the three. I know who God the Father is. I know what Jesus did for me. But the Holy Spirit seems kind of ambiguous, like, what is this mysterious Holy Spirit? Does it mean I can, you know, shoot lightning out of my finger? To, no. What, what, kind of, what kind of things happen when the Holy Spirit comes within you? And I want to talk about, a little bit about that tonight. So this message is called Lightning in a Bottle. And I chose these verses out of Acts chapter 10 because this moment, read in verse 38, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost, Holy Spirit, and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Let me give you a fact. There's four Gospels in the Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Do you know all four of them specifically mention the fact that when Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist, everyone saw the Holy Spirit descending on him like a dove? All four Gospels mention that. What does that tell you? This is an important point. This is critical. And the reason it's so critical is because the Holy Spirit being in Jesus 
gave him the ability to do all sorts of things. That was what kickstarted his ministry. He was ready to go from that point. And when you receive the Holy Spirit, it's with you forever until the day you, until the day you die. It's a part of you. It's a part of your soul. And you can't imagine the amazing things that can happen as a result of you walking with God and feeding that Holy Spirit. Because um, it's going to help you in a lot of tough times, and it's going to get you out of trouble. It's, it's about trusting it. But let me, let me give you a... Um, I love doing illustrations. It's my, it's my calling card. So I have a couple. This is a, actually... I dug through my journal and I pulled this illustration from, um, from October 20th. <laughs> it was a Sunday. I was reading my Bible in the morning and uh, just so, sometimes when I'm reading, sometimes I feel that I just have a, a little analogy or you know, something pop into my head that makes sense. And I'd just like to share it with you. So I want you to imagine, okay, what's it going to be like the day we finally pass on from this life and head into eternity? Well, it's kind of hard to imagine, right? It's scary stuff. Imagine what eternity is going to be like at the beginning. Because before we go to heaven or hell, like there's got to be some, some place where we're going to see you know, kind of what's going on. And this is what, what I want you to imagine with me. Imagine you're standing before eternity. And there's two destinations in eternity. There's a door going to hell. You don't want to be there. There's a door going to heaven. You do want to be there. And I, I imagine these two doors, right? Now imagine every single human, since we're all sinners, and everyone who's ever lived and ever will live is a sinner, except for Jesus. Imagine this door to hell, right? This giant, massive door. It's, it's like Jurassic Park, like the big doors, right? Now imagine every single human has ever lived lined up in front of that door, like some kind of diabolical Disneyland where the line is never-ending. I mean, like 10 billion people in this line. And how many people are in front of the door to heaven? Just one the Lord Jesus Christ. And as I was picturing this scene in my mind, an amazing thing happened. Because everyone who over here, at that point, they knew they were guilty. They knew they stood before God in eternity, and they knew that they had messed up. They weren't perfect. They didn't deserve to get into heaven on their own right. You may think that, but that's, no. God's standard is perfection, not good. So an amazing thing happens, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ walks from that gate to heaven he walks right up to the first person in line at the gate to hell. And he starts going person by person, finding those who have put their faith and their trust in him, finding those who are written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And to each one he finds, he hands him a pass. Well done, you good and faithful servant. Come stand in line for heaven. And he's going through the line one at a time, handing out these passes to all the people that have been saved. But you know what the sad part is? So many people are crying out to Jesus saying, well, what about me, Lord? I, you know, I went to church and I've been a good person and I never did anything that bad. Well, what about me? And Lord, with tears in his eyes, says, depart from me. I never knew you. It's a really sad thing. And the sad thing is the fact that very few people find their way into heaven. That's in the Gospel of Matthew. The road to hell, oh, that's wide. That's easy to walk on. The road to heaven, it's narrow. Straight is the way. Few there be that find it. That's what the Bible says. And this image just sticks in my head because think about your loved ones. Think about the people that you spend years with. Just Maybe they don't talk to you so much about God. Maybe they don't talk to you about the Bible. Maybe you don't know what they believe. But listen, we've got to help people. 
And I'm so guilty of this because I feel that if I had spent all those years where I was shying away from the church, if I had actually been out there trying to help people and get people saved, what could God have done? What could God have done with that? And I can't get those years back. But thank God he's still got a plan for me because I still draw breath. If I'm still here, if I'm still breathing, if I'm still alive, I believe it's because God has a purpose for me. Why else would I be here? If he didn't need me, he'd call me home. He'd say, Rob, get out of there. You're getting killed. <laughs> You're getting crushed. You're no more use on the planet. Just, just come on. Just come on. But he has, a, he has a plan for me, and I believe that. And I want to tie this back to the Holy Spirit because I, really I really get fired up and I get carried away sometimes. But once you get saved, again, you don't just have salvation. You have the Holy Spirit. And I want to give you another kind of uh, another analogy here. So this message is called lightning in a bottle, okay? I want you to think about your body, your soul, as a bottle, an empty vessel, a bottle. And we're born, we're born in sin. We're born sinners. We're, we're these empty vessels. But when that Holy Spirit hits you, when you get saved, that is like capturing, literally, lightning in a bottle. You have the Holy Spirit of God living inside you. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. You mean I get that inside my body? Yeah, that's what happens. So does this mean I have all these superpowers? Wait a minute. See, the, the tendency would be to say, well, if I have this amazing Holy Spirit, like, like what can I do with it? Can I like reach out and heal people? And can I you know, uh, smite those who, people who are sinners that need to be smited? No, 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 no. See, the question is never, what can, what can I do with the power that God's going to give me? The question is never, Okay, thanks, God. Now what can I do? The question is, what can God do with me? What can God do with me? So if God's given me the Holy Spirit, which is an amazing thing, and we're going to get more into that. If God's given me the Holy Spirit, what can God now do with me? Because I'm going to be willing. Give it some time. Give it some time. You may be saved, and it may be a week, two weeks, three weeks. You may be a little baby Christian. But just like a little plant that's going to grow into an amazing tree someday, watch what happens. If you nurture that thing, if you feed it, if you care for it, if you water it, if you stay in the Word, if you pray, if you walk with God, watch what God can do with your life. God can do amazing. God wants to do amazing things in your life. Salvation's not the end. Salvation's the beginning. It's the beginning of your life. Now I want to give you an illustration. I gave you the lightning in the bottle, but I want you to think about this. Has anyone ever done uh, bumper cars? Yeah? It's fun, right? I mean, I don't know if they're running these days. Maybe not <laughs> with the pandemic. But bumper car. when I was a kid, I loved bumper cars. Whether it was at the amusement park, at Great Adventure, at the boardwalk. As soon as I saw bumper cars, like, my parents had to hold me back. I'm trying to run and get in line. I just want to smash somebody. I want to smash my brother. I want to smash my It doesn't matter. I just, I just want to drive the bumper cars. They're so much fun. And what do I know about bumper cars? If, if you remember, it might be a while, but think back. There are these funny-looking look, funny little cars. You know, they don't have any horsepower. <laughs> Not really. But they all have this one thing. And it's like the, you remember in like a Back to the Future, the DeLorean couldn't just hook it up. It had to have that lightning rod thing when they went back. Well, bumper cars have that, right? They're connected to this like grid. You have like an electric grid built into the ceiling. Like you never see bumper cars like on the beach riding on their own because, no, they need power, right? So every bumper car has this little thing like attached to the back that goes up to the ceiling that powers it, right? And I'm telling you, that you're kind of like a bumper car because until that power's turned on, you can't do anything. You're dead in the water. You're just sitting there idle. You're useless. 
You push the gas pedal, the power's off, not moving. Nothing's happening. Try pushing one. They're really heavy. It's not going to happen. They're stubborn. But as soon as that power switch is on, now you hit that gas, you're, you're going, right? You're, you're zooming around. And the Holy Spirit, to me, is kind of like that lightning rod being connected to the source. Because until we get saved, we go through life just as these empty vessels. We can't really do a whole lot of good. We can, we can sin, and that's about it. There's no, there's no, there's no redemption. But once we get plugged in, once that lightning rod kicks in, and that bumper car gets power, once you get that Holy Spirit, that lightning in a bottle within you, now God can use you for all sorts of things. Now you're useful. Now you're able to be used. But you have to be willing. God will save you and let you spend the rest of your life doing whatever you want, sinning away. God will let you do that. He's a gracious God. He'll still save you because he promised that, and he never breaks his promise. But I want to talk about how your life would be a little bit. If you imagine, imagine your life going two different directions, like a fork in the road, two possibilities. Like, okay, I'm saved. You know, God's promised me eternal life in heaven. I guess I owe him quite a bit that I can never repay that. But what am I going to do? Hmm. You know, I like sinning. I like my life. I like all the things I have. I like what I do in my free time. I don't think I want to go to church. I don't think I want to read my Bible. I don't think I want to be like the Christians. Hey, if you take that all the way till the end, God will still let you in. You're still saved. But what kind of a life is that going to be? I tell you what, the Holy Spirit's going to make it tough on you because the Holy Spirit convicts you. When, once you become saved, things that you used to love doing, maybe you pause and, and you think about them as you're doing them and you say, wait a minute. This is flat out wrong. I, I, I can't, I shouldn't be doing this, right? And God's going to put that heavy conviction on your heart. So trying to go that way in life is like to, totally trying to swim upstream. But what if you shift gears? What if you take the other fork in the road, which is, well, what happens if I live the life that God wants me to live? What would happen then? Look back here in verse 38. Jesus of Nazareth, with the Holy Ghost and with power, went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. I'm telling you, when you have the Holy Spirit, you're empowered to do those things as well. God empowers you both to do good and to heal those who are oppressed by the devil. Now, maybe not the way you think. I'm not talking about, I'm going <laughs> to touch someone and just magically heal them. I'm not saying that. But listen, you're empowered to do good. In other words, that Holy Spirit's going to lead you a little bit, going to let you know what's right and what's wrong. You can spend more time doing right because you're going to identify more ways in your life to do right. And now you can help others. Because everyone who's unsaved, who's wallowing in sin, who doesn't know the good news about Jesus Christ, all those people are oppressed by the devil. And you can help them. Yeah, maybe you can't cast demons out of them. I've never done that. I don't purport to know how that works. But... If you can lead someone to Christ, what better healing is there than that? What better healing is there than being forgiven of your sins and being granted eternal life? There is no better healing. Because if you can save somebody's soul, what, what happens to their body someday, they're, they're not even going to worry about. I'm going to live on this planet 70, 80 years if I'm fortunate. I'm going to live thousands and millions and billions of years in eternity in perfection. That's what I'm looking forward to. 
because that's where the good stuff is going to be. This part right here, this is just like a fraction of a second. It's going to be over. So you are empowered, just like Jesus, who went around doing good, healing people who were oppressed of the devil. You can do that. You can lead people away from their sins to Christ. There's no better healing than that. I want you to flip ahead a little bit. I want you to flip ahead to Romans chapter 8. It's the very next book, Romans chapter 8. And the reason I'm going to follow this up with Romans chapter 8 is because there's some verses here that are going to tell you a little bit, a little bit about that second fork in the road. So when we talk about what does that life lived fully for God look like, there's a great picture of it here in Romans chapter 8. Let me, let me, right before I read it, let me give you this point. If you want to be happy, if you want to be truly happy, like 100% happy, satisfied, I, I can't have a bad day because I'm so happy all the time, permanently. If you want to be truly happy, that happiness comes when your will for your life is aligned with God's will for your life. In other words, if I want for my life the same thing that God wants for my life, I'm going to be completely happy. And I'm going to prove it to you right here when we read Romans 8. Okay? Let's read the first six verses. Romans chapter 8. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For they that are of the flesh, for they that are after the flesh, do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Amen. God says it all right here in His Word. If you're spiritually minded, it's life and peace. What gives you better happiness than knowing you have eternal life and being at peace? I can't think of one. See, you could spend the rest of your life chasing after all these worldly things. You could chase after girls or guys, or you could lust. You could chase after money. You could chase after a great house, cool cars, all this stuff. You could chase after all that, but where is it going to leave you? Where are you going to be when it's all said and done? What are you going to have to show for it when you show up at the judgment seat of God and you're not saved? You're not bringing anything with you to eternity. You'll bring salvation through Jesus Christ. You'll bring nothing at all. So that life, it says in the first part of verse 6, to be carnally minded, that means to be of the things of the world is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Can you imagine how you would feel if you didn't care about money? Can you imagine how you'd feel if you didn't care about bills? Or let me clarify, if you didn't worry about bills, you're probably going to have bills and you should pay them. But if you knew that 100% God was going to make sure you're going to be financially okay, if you knew 100% that God was going to make sure that relationally you're going to be okay, if you knew 100% that God's going to provide for you day in, day out, week after week, month after month, year after year, He's going to give you every single provision that you could ever possibly need, if you knew that beyond a shadow of a doubt and you trusted in it, you'd be at peace, wouldn't you? 
because you're not trying to grind it out and make it on your own. You're just saying, God's got me. Amen. Oh, you're wondering why I'm not so stressed out at work lately? I'm safe. It's great. I'm going to heaven someday, and I'm just happy about it. (laughs) Think about it. When God's will for your life is the same as your will for your life, there's no more swimming upstream. You're just letting God carry you where he wants to carry you. And God's not going to let you down. If you let God carry you, you're going to be exactly where you should be. And believe me, if you're exactly where you should be, spiritually minded, God says, you're going to have life and peace. I can't think of anything else I'd rather have than life and peace. And it means I have to give up the things of the world, but guess what? They weren't going to satisfy me anyway. They might make me happy for like a couple hours, a day, a week. <laughs> Look at all these people out there. How's it working out for them? You hit the lottery. You're unsaved. You're a sinner. You wallow in your sins. You hit the lottery. Where does it leave you? Are you going to be better? Are you going to be happy then? All you got to do is watch the, w- w- the TLC channel or something. <laughs> you, you hear about these people that have this like slow descent into madness and like criminal activities and the family. Bad stuff happens because they're living for the world and they're not living for the things of God. Stop chasing after the things of the world. They're not going to get you anywhere. If you chased after what God had for you, if you actually did that, what would that look like? Getting to heaven one day saying, I've been waiting for this. Amen? There's a reason Paul says in some of his epistles that, you know, for me to die actually is gain. Because now that I'm saved, if I, if I perish, if I die, I'm going to a better place. I'm going to be with God. I'm going to be with Christ. Amen. But Paul says, well, wait a second. If I'm not there yet, it's because there's still work to do. And out of respect for God and the plan he has for my life, I'm going to stay the course and I'm going to keep working. Even though it would be better for me to just jump into heaven today, tomorrow, right away, hey, wouldn't it be even better if I took some more people with me? Wouldn't it be even better if I shared that good news? And got some people to, to get saved when otherwise they'd be going to hell. It's a tragic thing. It is an extremely tragic thing that anyone should have to go to hell. Hell wasn't made for people. Hell was made for the devil and his angels. But that's where sinners go. If you don't have the blood of Christ covering your sins, you got nothing. You can't will your way into heaven under your own volition. You just can't do it. You can't do enough good to be perfect. And the only way you get into heaven is by being pardoned by God for your sins. It's by accepting Jesus Christ and what he did for you. Accepting that he died on the cross. Accepting that when he rose again, that whole action paid your sins. Past, present, future, gone. So that when you walk up to that gate one day, Christ says, well done, you good and faithful servant. Enter into the kingdom of heaven. That's where you want to be. And I'm telling you to get there You're going to have to give up the things of this life sooner or later anyway. You can't take a Maserati with you into heaven. You can't take a mansion with you into heaven. And even if you could, he's got a better one waiting for you anyway. You can't take your bank account into heaven. It doesn't spend up there. Forget about it. I'm just going to tell you this. You can be like a grumpy hermit crab getting saved and then just fighting the Holy Spirit within you. I did it for a long time. 
Where'd it get me? I was still saved. Was I happy? No. Was I stressed out? <laughs> you bet. Was I frustrated with my job, with my engagement, with my marriage, with my, my, my lifestyle? Yeah. Extremely frustrated. Because I just, I just didn't have it. I was trying to force myself upstream all the way. It just doesn't work. And I'm glad I didn't keep going. Because sooner or later, it just probably would have cost me something dear to me. Maybe it would have cost me my family, my marriage, my house. I don't know. But God is so good, God never gave up on me. And God had a plan. And God has a plan for you. God wants to build your life into being an amazing testimony. He does. Absolutely. You should pray for that. You should pray, God, just would you use me? Would you, would you help my life be an even more amazing testimony for you? Because I can't think of anything else better to do. But that's what you would have. God can do it. I'll give you one last illustration, and then I'm done. I got one last one. This is uh, one I've just had in my head for years. So the grumpy hermit crab, that's a good analogy, but I like this one better. I want you to imagine a scene on a lake at night. Nighttime on a lake, right? No boats, no lights, just dark. Moon, stars in the sky, real peaceful. No storms, no clouds. Peaceful water, right? You got a little rowboat out there. Like, you could see it. It's kind of far away. There's, like, just a rowboat. Dude's in it, just hanging out. Not really going anywhere, just enjoying the peaceful night. Nice temperature, like T-shirt weather, right? And uh, where am I? I'm all the way over here looking at that rowboat. I'm in this little life preserver. Not even a life... What, what's the little ring called? Is that a life preserver? The donut? Life preserver. I'm out here floating in this little life preserver. And I'm thinking, gee, you know what? I'm just bobbing in the water. Maybe I should get in the boat. Maybe I can go somewhere if I get in the boat. And the whole time, that life preserver that I'm sitting in, it's attached to that rowboat. It's got a nice string on it. It's got a nice super pound test. This thing won't break. It's unbreakable. This rope is attached from me to that lifeboat. So when I finally decide to do it, I just grab myself and start pulling and start pulling and start pulling and start pulling. And I go all the way over to that rowboat. And you know who's in that rowboat the whole time? The Lord Jesus Christ saying, I've been waiting for you. I wasn't going to let you go. You may be really far away, and I'm going to let you float out there if you want to, but I tell you what, the boat's better. Jump in the boat with me. Why don't we go somewhere? Why don't you let me lead you? Why don't you let me be your navigator? Why don't you let me be your guide so I can take you to the life that I've planned for you? Let me give it to you because it's going to be the best life for you. And I feel that that moment, me climbing back into that rowboat, is the moment I gave up being that grumpy hermit crab. It's the moment I decided to get back into my Bible. And you know how it started? I'd been saved since I was seven years old. It started by one day I said, you know what? I act like I know what's in this book, but I've never read it. How about I read this book? <laughs> Why don't I read the Word of God? If I pretend to be a Christian, or if I'm going to be a Christian, if I am a Christian, if I'm saved, I should know what this thing's all about. Because how can I talk about God's Word if I don't know God's Word? I can't, not with any authority, not with any conviction about what kind of truth is in there. So I read the book, and you know what happened when I got to the end? 
First off, this is a long book. It took me a year. It took me a year. But I had discipline to come up with, come up with something that worked for me. Every morning when I woke up, three chapters a day. One, two, three. It took me a year, but I made it through the whole book. And after that, I felt like reading it again. Kind of like Forrest Gump. It just felt like running. Why? All of a sudden, I just felt like moving for God. Just started coming to church, started reading my Bible. And I tell you what, the peace and contentment that I have now is light years beyond what it was for me even five, ten years ago. Because I feel that I've aligned myself more with what the Lord has for me. And that doesn't mean I'm perfect walking with God. If you followed me every day like the Truman Show, you'd be like, oh, Rob's doing things he shouldn't do. I'm a sinner, okay? But guess what? If I sin, I get down on my knees and I pray about it. I ask God to forgive me. I try to repent. I try to repent so hard because I don't want to be wallowing in sin. I want to be able and ready when God calls me to do something. So maybe God arranges for me to go this place, go that place, talk to this person. I don't want to be caught unprepared. I want to be ready for it. God calls us to be ready, basically at all times. So be ready. But think about it. You got the rest of your life on this earth to live. And then if you're saved, amen, you're going somewhere even better. But until you get there, think about how you want to spend your life. Do you want to fight against the Holy Spirit and have the Holy Spirit nagging you all the time saying, you know, you shouldn't do that. You know, you should go back to the boat. Or do you want to get back in that boat with the Lord Jesus Christ and let him lead your life and give you peace, happiness, forgiveness, all the things that are going to put you at ease all the things that are going to take away your worries and your stress. That's where you want to be. So don't wait for some magical moment to hit you over the head saying, okay, now's the time. You make the time. You make the timeline. You decide when it's time to go, and then you just go. But I'm telling you this. If you live for God, you will never regret it. You will never regret it. It is impossible that you will ever regret it because God's way is the best way. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you so much for, for my salvation and for everyone here that's saved. I thank you that you always had a plan, Lord, that the Holy Spirit of God, who was over the waters from the beginning of creation, that you had a plan to give that to each and every person who chose to accept salvation through Jesus Christ. I thank you for all that you've done. I thank you for our church here. I thank you for all the good things that people are doing, that we can just come here once, twice a week, hear from your word, and just follow you, God, because I, I know that without you, without guidance, I know I wouldn't make it very far. And, Lord, I just pray that you, you put your hand on this congregation, that you put your hand on the families that are involved here, Lord, uh, the families that haven't come back yet because they're still holding out uh, until it's safe. Lord, I pray that you would put your hand on everybody and just give them some of that peace. Allow them to know, Lord, that they should move for you and that if they're willing to be used by you, you're going to lead them exactly where they need to go. And uh, I just thank you for the message. I thank you for using me tonight uh, as someone that could just speak to just a group of people, Lord. And if there's anyone here tonight in this building that's not saved, I pray, Lord, that this might be the moment that you impart on them that it's time to talk about their soul and consider where they stand. And, Lord, you know the hearts of everyone. I couldn't save anyone if I tried, but you can. And uh, Lord, I, 
I just thank you for being a God who's so good, who's always good, who's better than we will ever be, and who loves us more than we could ever love anything. You gave your son to die on a cross, Lord. You did that for each and every single one of us because you loved us just that much, that you were willing to go through all that just for a chance to save each and every one of us. And I pray that we would acknowledge that and thank you for it. And I pray that as we go forward, we would allow you to lead us, Lord. That we would allow you to be the first and the last, to be the guide in our lives. Because you promise us life and peace. And Lord, we all need that. I just pray that you'll lead us and call us and put on our hearts what we should do to make that happen. I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.